I'm going to be speaking on living from a position of gratitude, of thanksgiving. And this is something that's near and dear to my heart, um, something that's the Lord still teaching me, obviously. Um, Holy Spirit's on me right now. Um, I love him so very much for what he's done. And so I, I say things like, God is good. And wh what I like to hear from you guys, all the time. And I'll say all the time, and you guys say, God is good. I used to, I used to do this with the kids, and at first it was kind of, quiet but then all of a sudden it became a, a, a yelling contest who could say god is good louder than the other person you know it was beautiful because no matter what is going on i want them to realize that god is always good and so I, I i bring up things like you know you and i are walking down the street and i'm on my phone and i'm not paying attention i'm coming up to a curb and you see a car coming and you say hey pastor kurt don't step off the curb. Here comes a car. But I don't pay attention. I step off the curb, and I get hit by a car. That's your fault, right? And the kids are like, no. Why? You weren't listening. I was trying to warn you, but you were not listening. So I say, exactly. It's the same with God. You know, I've actually encountered people where they say, you know, God saved my life today. How do you do that? They said, I drive the same way. This is from Stan from, the, um, from past ministry. Anyways, he said, I drive the same way for 20 years to uh, my, my work from the house. He said, I left this morning to go to work, but then when I got my car, Holy Spirit said, go straight, and then said, turn right. So he's paralleling the road that he normally drives on, and the Holy Spirit said, go ahead and turn right again, connect to the road. And he did, and there was a major accident in the, in the freeway, in the, in the road right there. He said, Kurt, I know that I would have been in that if I wasn't listening to the Holy Spirit. So I say again, God is good. And all the time, God is good. There's little question to whether or not God wants us to live from a place of full thankfulness in our lives. If we look up in, in Scripture, there's so many Scriptures that talk about God wants us to be thankful. Live a life. He says, enter my courts with and enter my, my, um, sorry, my gates with thanksgiving, enter my courts with praise, right? So even Old Testament to the New Testament, and my verse that I'm going to bring up today is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. So if you have it, please open up your books. The first 16, in 16 it says, rejoice always. So if you're like me, <laughs> I actually, how can I rejoice always, God? You know, my stepdad just passed away. How can I rejoice in that? Right? That's a good question, right? I don't know if God's saying it's a good question, but I think it's a good question. Right? Why can I, how can I actually rejoice when my, my stepfather just passed away? Right? I remember when I called my mom that morning, I felt like Holy Spirit was on me. Call your mom. So I called her. How is dad doing? He's doing fine. They're expecting him to come home. They're just waiting for his oxygen levels to return. Great. Hang up the phone. Ten minutes later, she calls me back. He passed away. Yeah. What happened? Right? Right? I say, what is going on? How can I rejoice in that moment? And then as I like, got quiet before the Lord, <laughs> it's so beautiful, it's hard to understand, but he says, he's with me. Is it better for him to be with you or with me? And I know my stepdad is better off with Jesus than he is with me. So that's a reason to be thankful, right? To rejoice. So he says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And now, if you look that up in the Greek, 
The word actually, uh, it, uh, the definition of that word is actually like a hacking cough. Do you know anyone with a hacking cough? Yeah? So they pray or they, when, they, when they cough, it's pretty pronounced, right? It's like, <coughs> it's very loud, very forceful. So he's saying, when you pray, it mean it, right? Because I can't pray all the time, right? But I can pray when I pray very forcefully, I, like I want to mean it. I'm going to go back into that one in just a little bit. And in, in verse 18, he says, in everything, in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will in your life in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus, for you to be thankful in everything. Now, going back to pray without ceasing, my prayer before I was diagnosed with MS was probably three weeks long. I made it my prayer every night to pray, God, make me a better Christian. Make me a better father. Make me a better husband. Make me a better teacher. Make me a better steward. You know, all these things. I, was just, I said every day as I went to bed, right? I was a financial advisor making a ton of cash, right? I worshiped money. Now, do you think that made God happy? It, no, right? A plus. A plus for Steve, right? No, it did not. I, didn't, I don't need to um, think about it too long to know that God was not happy with my position because manna, Mama was actually my, my God. I didn't physically bow to it, but I made it the most important thing in my life. So I started praying this prayer, God, make me a better person because the, the direction I'm going, I don't like, but I don't know how to stop it. Now the Lord who is faithful will honor those prayers. I think he will honor those prayers. And so he did. And so I got diagnosed with MS, right? Now, whether or not, we're not going to debate this, but I'm not going to say God forced it upon me, but I know God at least allowed it, right? He at least allowed it. And because he allowed it, I'm a better person today than I was back then. So that's a reason for me to be thankful. I have my whole family. I, I wouldn't have my youngest daughter if I was still in that path. So there's so, much, there's so many reasons for me to be thankful just for him answering that prayer, right? So I'm, what I'm trying to show you is it's not just the eternal outlook. It's also the temporal outlook, right? That God can do things right now that we can be thankful for. But I'm going to go into the eternal. Then after my sickness, I, I, I said for, uh, for three days, I said the same prayer while fasting, right? I said to God, and I said, God, did I seek after money and not you? Was I supposed to be doing something else? not seeking after this money let me know let me know father because if you want me to leave this profession i will right on the third night i finished first timothy chapter five yeah five i'm trying to remember five i go to bed sometime in the middle of the night i wake up i hear an audible voice in my room the audible voice of the lord was speaking to me in my room and he said six words over and over and over and over and over now, I'm not the brightest bulb out there, so it wasn't until he said, write them down, <laughs> that he stopped. So when I wrote down the sixth word, it stopped, right? I wake up in the morning, and I start reading 1 Timothy chapter 6. I come across those same exact six words in verse 11, I think it is, right? And it answers my prayer. He said, O you righteous man of God, do not be concerned with money. Instead, seek godliness, righteousness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Those are the six words that he spoke to me. Now you guys are looking like, 
Were you okay? I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly okay. I'm perfectly okay. It was an audible voice of the Lord. Because I, I remember looking in my room going, I don't see. And I actually sequestered myself. So I, I put my kids up with my wife and I, in, in the room by myself, right? And this voice was in my room, but I could not see. I didn't look on the top bunk, but I could not see any voice, right? It might have been my daughter just playing a joke on me, but I don't think so. So my point is this. When you pray without ceasing, with a hacking cough, you, you make it your, your forceful gesture to God. This is your heart. You're not making, your, you know, on Monday I want a bike. On Tuesday I want a skateboard. On Wednesday I want a new uh, Xbox. On, on Thursday I want something. I want a truck. No, it's like, the Lord's like, what do you want? I actually made it, my, made it known to him in myself what it is that I wanted, right? Lord, I want to know, did I make a mistake? And he gave me exactly what I needed. This is the answer. Do not be concerned with money. Instead, seek these things. So I made, I'm making those my life's journey. First Thessalonians 1, verse 2. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. So this is Paul talking about how he's thankful. He's thankful for all those people. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So why do you think God wants us to give it to him in, in, in a way of just showing thanks? Because he's good, right? He's, it's simple. All the time. And all the time, God is good. I think that's the reason. I think we forget so many times, like, oh, man, I got to, I don't know if I should be thankful for this. I'm just going to pray this anyways. He says, no, with thanksgiving, pray it. He can do it. But he'll only do what's good. Because every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, from God, right? So he's not going to do something that's just going to kind of maybe help you along. Every good gift and every perfect gift is going to come from him. So when you're asking for these things, expect the good and the perfect. I asked for a Tesla car for years. I'm, a, I'm, I'm obsessed with those cars. I love those cars. They're so cool. I was asking for that over and over and over. And I was thinking, okay, he answered my prayer last time. So if I ask for this over and over again, he'll answer it again, right? But I got to know. Nope. Why? You'll die in it. And I realized in that moment, my son's car is a, a hybrid. I sit there and I watch how the energy is transferred from battery to motor, from the motor to the engine. I mean, it's just, it's crazy that I would never pay attention to the road when I'm in a Tesla. <laughs> and she's like, yep, you won't. That's just who I am. So I'm so thankful that he actually said, nope. I'm actually appreciative that my car of my dreams is not in my near future. Maybe once I grow up, God will say, you can have it. Yes, sir. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't send him today. I'm sorry. Circumstances do not determine a Christian's joy. I'll say it again. Circumstances do not determine a Christian's joy. Our joy is the result of blessings that are ours because we are in Christ. So many times I, I, I know I am alone. And please, if you have any questions, you want to interact, please interact. 
Pastor Bob was gracious enough last week just to inform me, hey, Kurt, the way you're kind of presenting it, people get kind of shut off. So present another way. I welcome it. Right? I, I'm trying to learn just like you guys are. I'm not saying I've arrived, but I say I want to. Not yet, but <laughs> I just wanted to let you guys know. I welcome any kind of questions, any kind of feedback all the time. God is good. There we go. All right. So our joy is the result of blessings that are ours because we are in Christ. Now, I have 10 verses, right? So I'm going to go through pretty quickly. <laughs> um, and these 10 verses are all about being in Christ and the blessings that are coming from that. Okay? All right. So number one. So when we're looking at the eternal for our thankfulness, we have to think of e eternity. What does God give us in Christ that's eternal, right? So once I realize that, my understanding of what's going on out there is lessened. You know, the, the, the world is crazy, right? The world is really being crazy. And so I'm less concerned with that. I'm more concerned with this. And I'm more thankful for this. And I don't want to be hard, but I don't care as much for that. You know, because I know he, he has me covered. So number one, we have redemption. Redemption. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, to me, that's enough to be thankful for. Right? To me, it still boggles my mind how God can send his perfect son to die for me, a sinner. Right? I, I don't understand that love, Janet. I don't. I don't. Because I would never send my, my son to die for any of you. Right? And you guys are all really good people. But I would never do that. But God does it. Why? Because he is love. Right? Romans 3.24. We... Let's add it. Are justified by his grace as a gift. The redemption of that is in Christ Jesus. So there's nothing I've done to justify myself. Right? Right? He simply says, I'm going to justify you. It's my gift. My son is going to do it through his death. And that's enough. Now, I don't know about you, but it makes me want to jump out of my seat. My God, you... They have no words, because I'm a dad, but I can't explain that. That is that whole agape love, where you're just like, you know what, it's, it's beyond me, but I'm thankful for it. Number two, we have the forgiveness of our trespasses. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Ephesians 4. Uh, verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is something that I think a lot of us forget. I know I do. God, I, I want your forgiveness, but I, I don't want to forgive him. Right? Right? Something that someone does, I'm like, dude, that was, that was, that was wrong. And I can speak of something that recently happened, but I don't want to. Because it's not going to benefit anyone, you know? I'm saying that when someone's out there and they've actually trespassed against you, forgive them. Because Christ said in, in, in chapter 7 right, of Matthew, he said, forgive them so that you yourself can be forgiven, right? 
Right. Number three, we receive grace. Second Timothy chapter two, verse one. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There just has to be stuff that you have to understand that it's just given to you that you have never earned. Now, God wants to see us grow, yes, but I'm so thankful that he has this grace that he's going to give me even though I'm not growing, you know? And that grace is going to do what? It's going to help me grow, right? The Father's grace will help you grow. The Father's kindness leads to repentance, right? I mean, who writes this stuff? I know God did. You don't have to answer that. All right, First Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. And the grace of our Lord overflowed me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So you guys are hearing that this is all in Christ Jesus, right? How many of you guys are reading uh, or watching, I'm sorry, um, The Chosen? All right, you guys, you have to get on this. The Chosen. Um, I have an app. I'll show you the app. Do you, would you agree, Aaron, it's like so well done? I'm like, my, I'm, I'm watching it the second time, actually the third time, my mom's here, and so I'm just watching it with her. It's remarkable. Whoever portrays Jesus, I'm like, that guy has it down. <laughs> that guy has it down. He's so good. Um, I can go into some stories, but I don't want to. So, so, please watch it. All right, we receive salvation. Right. Therefore, I endure, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. Therefore, I endure our everything, everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. <laughs> he says, for the, everything for the sake of the elect. I, I know when I was in seminary, that was a big word. You know. Who was he talking about? You know, was it certain people? Or was it? I think it's basically God said, I, I want everyone saved. And the people that actually select it, they are the elect. So uh, this, to this point, it's kind of like, I, I want to see everyone I come across in heaven. So I think it would be really sad if I get up there and like, hey, God, wh- Bob, I know you're going to be up there, but I'm going to say, where's Pastor Bob? He's not here. Wh- what happened? Well, no one ever told me about me. And I have people that are out there that really don't like me, but I should still tell them about Jesus. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm going to go through these a little bit faster. I think I'm a little bit, a little bit behind. We are, number five, we are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, like I was saying, um, I can look back to who I was and who I am now. Physically, I look older, but I'm the same guy. But spiritually, two different people. I went to church every Sunday. Looking at my watch, going, okay, the Packers playing. You know, we got to hurry up. We got to go home and get, watch the Packers play. I, my heart wasn't there. And then God changed me. I became a new creation. 
Number six, we receive the Holy Spirit, our comforter. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Now, I think when God seals something, <laughs> when God seals it, it can't be undone. Number seven, to become sons of God. Galatians three twenty six. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Now, how do you know if you're a son of God according to Romans? Those are who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Children of God. Sons meaning girls and boys. The reason that they, I think they use um, sons so many times is that the thought was that because only men were actually taught to read, but also because sons actually were, received the inheritance, not women. And so now he's saying, well, you're all inherit, inheriting the kingdom. Number eight. So I got, I got like 72 more to go. We inherit eternal life, right? First John 5.11, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, that this and this life is in his son. Sorry. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. If you don't get the, the theme yet, let me tell you, it's all about being in Christ, the blessings of Christ. Number nine, so that there is no condemnation for us. I'm smiling too, Janet. I love that. No condemnation for us. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Number 10, we obtain an inheritance, Ephesians 1.11. In him we have obtained an inheritance. We, again, not just boys, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Number 11, to be blessed even when dead. To be blessed even when dead. I'm going to explain that one. Revelation 14, 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Now, if you remember what Jesus said about the girl who was dead, she was only sleeping. You guys picked that up? So he walks in the room and he said, please, stop your crying. She, she's only sleeping. They're like, dude, you're dumb. She's dead. Right? You're, th this girl is dead. My point, he actually said about Lazarus, too. He said, Lazarus has fallen asleep. Like, who cares? Let, let a sister wake him up, you know? They didn't know that he was talking about physical death here on earth. But to him, nothing dies, Right? So all Christ has to do is say, arise, and what's going to happen? It's going to rise. Lazarus, come out. What's going to happen? He has complete authority. So I believe what they're saying is that when, when these things are dead, they're saying they're dying to themselves. They're now alive in Christ. Right? No more death. I get in trouble for saying this before because they're like, oh, all Christians will die. Christians won't die in the biblical sense. Right? We will fall asleep. Why? Because there's a reason, Romans. 
when, when the Lord comes back, when he was resurrected, he'll bring all those with him. So the same sleep that he did, we get to the dirt nap. From <laughs> when we take the dirt nap, we will wake up when he says arise. If that's not reason to be thankful, I guess I'm just talking. <laughs> um, the Christian who remains in sadness and depression really breaks the commandment. In some direction or other, he mistrusts God, his power, his providence, his forgiveness. Now, if you remember, Jesus was on the cross. And when he's on the cross, he yelled something out. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I'm asking you a question. There's no wrong answer. Do you think he was quoting scripture, or do you think that he thought that actually God himself forsook him? Just, probably think so? Okay, Psalm 22 is exactly right. So something that I was posed with was trying to figure out, is this God, Jesus, losing his faith? Or is he simply quoting scripture, which at the time rabbis were very famous for doing. They'd quote the first line from whatever scripture, and you would know exactly what they're talking about. I believe he was, just like Steve, I believe that he was just simply quoting scripture. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Reason number one, this is the only time he ever referred to God when he's talking to God as God. He always called him Father, right? And so some people say, well, if he had felt for, you know, forsaken, he probably called him you know, God. Like, but he never sinned. And if for him to lose his faith, because God said, I'll never forsake you. If he loses his faith, then why is he saying to him, if he has never sinned, why have you forsaken me? I believe he's quoting scripture. When you read all of Psalm 22, Steve, can you tell us what Psalm 22 is about? It's a picture of crucifixion, exactly. This was hundreds of years before crucifixion actually existed. And he, he talks about my hands and my feet, they pierced. They cast lots for my garments. They, he's going everything that's over in the New Testament, he's talking about. So please read it for yourself. Now, kind of in closing, my second to last point, there's a Jewish teaching about soldiers of dark and soldiers of light. Soldiers, you know, like army. And you, so you're, there's a valley between you and the next mountain. And you have to make it to the mountain. So you have to cross the valley from your, your hill over to the mountain on the other side. Now you look down at the valley, and there's all kinds of soldiers. Soldiers in white and then soldiers in dark, right? So you're, okay, I have to make it to the other side. So you start running. You, you soon find out that the soldiers in white are trying to help you. The soldiers in black and dark, they're trying to prevent you. But finally, you make it. You turn around, and you see that the soldiers that were wearing black are taking off their, their um, clothes, and they have white garments underneath. So they're actually soldiers of white. The teaching is that no matter what is going on, God always has you. Genesis 50-20, if you remember that. What's meant for evil, God turns to. Good, right? right? He's in, that, in that actually verse, he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, right? So their, their understanding is this. 
that whenever you're going through something, whether it be really difficult, God can turn it to good. So that's a reason enough for me to be thankful. God, I th- I'm so thankful that you have the power and you are about turning things to good. Because what I'm experiencing is really bad. So please. Now, what, what gets in the way of that is that my own timing. I want it to happen right now. But God wants to grow me a little bit more. Or he wants something else to happen before he does that. So it's going to grow my patience. But in the end, I'm going to realize when I turn around, it's like, God, no matter what was happening to me, you always had my back. You always had my back. No matter what's going on there. Like I said, I got diagnosed with this terrible disease, right? But the goodness that God's bringing out of that is remarkable. If someone asked me, would you do with it do without it ms i was like i will not because god has allowed it for a reason now do i want it gone yeah i want all these symptoms gone i'm so thankful that my neurologist now puts on my my paperwork non-progressive ms but still i want numbness gone i want balance restored i want that stuff but not yet god said not yet Maybe because it's too early not to go back to a life of worshiping. My, I have no idea why. I just know that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. There are blessings. Some are visible and some are hidden. So these preventive things that maybe the army in black is doing is, is a hidden blessing that God will, God will reveal later. Living the life of thankfulness, gratitude is on, is one that is not focused on the temporal, but the eternal. But I actually, I shared with you a temporal example. God can do anything. But no matter what you're going through, I want you to just realize that no matter what happens, the end game, you win. You win. And so the adage is this. Like I said before, if your life was represented by one grain of sand, eternity is represented by all the rest of of the sand grains on earth, what are we living for? I want to be thankful for everything that's going to come next. What am I willing to go through now to experience all that or to help someone else experience all that? Your best friend who doesn't know Christ. You love, but he hates. He hates God. I'm going to say, in closing, I'm going to say this. There was a, a guy who was snorkeling off the coast of Australia. Some of you may know the story. And he's a professing atheist. And his mom was a devout um, Christian. And he gets stung by a uh, box jelly four times. If you know anything about box jellyfishes, fish, they, one sting will kill a grown man. And he got stung four times. Anyways, he was dying um, in the ambulance. He died in the ER. He's, he was taken to the morgue. I have to tell you kind of the end. Um, while he's dead, he goes up to heaven. You'll understand how I'm getting there. But he, go, he goes up to heaven. And he's in there. It's, it's a bright room, and he hears a voice. He says, where are you? This guy says, where am I? He said, the voice says, you're in heaven. Who are you? I'm Jesus. What am I doing here? 
I never, you know, called you my Lord and Savior, never professed you. No, but you're doing parts of the Lord's Prayer, and that was good enough for me. Again, his grace, I don't understand. I'm not going to tell him you can't accept this person or deny that one. He knows. He knows hearts I don't. I look at the surface. It's scripture. Men look at surface, but God looks at the heart. This guy, um, he wanted to stay in heaven, and he said, can I stay? Christ said, yes, you can stay, but I want you to see what your mother is going to be going through because she thought you died a, an atheist. And so I don't know if he showed him a video or what, but he, he said, I need to go back. He said, that's the right choice. Now move your head to the left and open your right eye. Move your head to the right and open your left eye. He does that, which he's thinking in, up in heaven, but he's doing it in the natural. And they're about to cut his heel to insert the tube or something to drain blood. And nurses scream and they run out. And the doctor drops his heel and the guy comes back to life. He shares a story on the 700 Club, right? I, I, I feel like I'm unworthy of, of talking about this stuff because God's goodness, can anyone really understand it? Because if someone said to me, what's your theology on, on salvation? I'm like, well, you have to profess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And here's this guy. He's like, well, I made up to heaven. I never did. He said it was good enough for him. I don't, I don't understand it, but I love it. Thank you. Well, we're going to be closing the service. I'd, I want to leave um, some time uh, for anyone who wants prayer, needs anything, um, anyone to pray for them. And um, so I'm going to close in, in a word of prayer, and then I will close the service, and then we'll have a time. If you need prayer, you can come up, and we'll pray for you, okay? Is that a yes? All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this message, Lord. Thank you that um, everything in heaven is in Christ. And when we're there, when we have been transferred to that place, everything in that inheritance is ours. All of your love and goodness is ours. Lord, help us to learn that. Help us to live there. Help us to walk in that understanding so that our lives will begin to irradiate that, the incredible experience of being a Jesus and having him live in us. We thank you for your son, for your spirit that dwells in us. We thank you, Lord, for um, breaking into our world in such a wonderful way and taking hold of us with your, your grip and never letting go. Thank you that you'll never forsake us, never abandon us, and your love is always toward us. Thank you there's nothing in this world or the next that can take us from your hand. We are secure in your love. Thank you for who you are. Lord, I'm amazed constantly at new expressions of who you are. And I know for eternity, Lord, we'll continue to worship the new revelation of your person. We just bless you. We say that we love you, Jesus. We love you. Help us, Lord, to love you with all our hearts and let it become a living expression that people will gravitate to and be drawn to and want to know about. Come in more power and live through your people. And we ask that knowing full well that's your will. So we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.